Hey, thanks for joining us today on the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Today we're talking about love and romance and passion, but maybe in a different way than you're used to. What we want to talk about today is how to preserve romantic love for the right time, how we can go about not awakening that desire too early on in our lives, how we can preserve ourselves and honor God with our bodies and with our minds. And so we pray that this conversation is helpful for you today. And uh, without further ado, let's just jump right in. So you've taught through the Song of Solomon, um, talked about sexuality and love before. Is this just like not even an awkward conversation for you at it, all, or is this just yeah. totally normal? Or how how are you? How do you approach these kind of conversations? It's a fine line, man. <laughs> it's a fine line because I just don't want to become the pastor that there's no awkwardness at all attached right. to it because I've. I'm listening to that guy. And I, I think you want to have a little feeling of awkwardness. But yeah, it's definitely faded for me over time. That's yeah, I good. just saw a marriage conference a couple weekends ago where uh, they said, you know, hey, teach whatever you want to teach. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take him verse by verse through yeah. the whole book of Song of Solomon. That's right. right. It was fun. It was great. And, uh, and a good, I mean, just a good refresher. And of course, this blog post that you're wanting to talk about today is based off a little verse in Song of Solomon that repeats itself right. throughout the song. And, um, you know, the, I think some of the themes that we might be talking about today, mm-hmm. if I could give a, a little plug, yeah, I would dude. encourage people who are thirsty in this area of life to mm-hmm. just kind of learn and grow and get a more biblical worldview. I'd encourage you to check out one of the two different studies that I have posted online yeah. through mm-hmm. the Song of Solomon. I, I've done it through for our studio series yeah. uh, at nateholdridge.com, but then I've also done it for our church family, a little bit longer, more, uh, more of a live audience kind of right. thing with probably more applications for someone who's in a uh, either single or dating mm-hmm. or married uh, kind of state of life. And uh, so those can be found at calvary.com, but they're based off the same notes and preparation, but just to have a little bit different of a feel. So I would encourage anybody who's in that kind of mind frame, you know, like I said, whether you're single, wanting to be in a relationship, you're in a relationship, thinking about marriage, you're uh, divorced, you are married. I think there's something for all of us because really the Song of Solomon in, in, appropriate way can help us catch a vision Mm. for what God could do if he redeems us. And what we're constantly, I mean, right now, as we record this podcast, we're in the midst of the hot mess of the Harvey Weinstein Uh deal that's just like consuming our culture and women coming forth and talking about uh, the sexual advantage. unwanted right. sexual advances yeah. and I mean advances probably isn't even a strong enough word you right. know for it assault yeah. that women uh, throughout the world have gone through which is in- encouraging in a sense to see that like banding together mm. of humanity but yeah. it's also really discouraging because you're reminded of just depravity and brokenness so and true. darkness and and all of that but yeah. we just can't have it both ways we can't have uh, you know, a culture that is just saturated with pornography mm-hmm. 
and just a total debasement of sexuality and then expect that we're all going to behave above board. Right, you know, right. uh, when we saw just a few weeks ago the shooting in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, I realized, you know, that immediately there's going to be a debate and conversation about gun control. But for yeah. me, I'm looking at that and I'm, and I'm thinking... I hope that if they discover that this man was addicted to pornography and hardcore pornography, mm-hmm. I hope that they announce that because probably that mm-hmm. was involved. You know, you have to go through something in your life where you begin to so devalue human beings uh-huh. that you're able to do wow. something that debased. So, and I think a lot of times pornography you know, does that. So oh, yeah. I'm just saying lots of things, <laughs> just no, firing them off here at the beginning of our episode here. <laughs> Welcome to the Holders.com <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, that's so good. Thank you for saying all that. And in reference to your, your Bible studies you've done, I was thinking about that earlier today. And um, for those of you listening, I'll post a link to both of those Bible studies in the show notes. Um, those are really, really helpful. I remember you going through those with our um, with our church during our life church midweek kind of Bible study sessions. And that was such a, I feel like important time for mm. our church. He said some things that were just like very direct and very clear that um, you don't usually hear at church on a Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just so helpful for for those, those of us living real life and having yeah. these questions. Yeah. So thank you for that. I'll post those uh, today. Um, you know, just kind of getting into this, Nate, I love just to kind of, I mean, you already shared some of your heart for um, why you did those Bible studies, but this article in particular, when you were writing this, was there anything on your mind that you were hoping to communicate or was there a situation that happened that you're like, I want to write about this? How did this article come up for you? Yeah, I think for me, it just probably came up mostly because of the thrice fold, threefold mention of this statement throughout yeah. the Song of Solomon. And, you know, I think that whenever you see something repeated in a section of scripture multiple times, especially mm-hmm. three times, it's like a way that God is really communicating this is a really big deal, mm-hmm. you know, c- kind of tantamount to Jesus's assuredly I say to you, you know, like right. when, that's when you really want to listen up is is when he says something like that. When when God repeats something three times in the same text, you really have the idea that this is significant. So I yeah. think it just kind of flowed from my own personal time of just interacting with Song of Solomon, reading it, cool. and then just going, you know, that's a phrase that's repeated three times, and it's so helpful. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sang that song it seems that the bride sang that song to her uh, about her marriage and about romance while they were courting when they got married and then later on in their older years right right so i think just you know interacting with the bible and just thinking about our world and culture oh totally thinking about you know my own life and testimony and mm-hmm. times that i allowed an awakening of romantic desire too early mm-hmm. in my own life and the scars from that and the need for yeah. the Lord to redeem me from that. Mm. And I think just being honest about the reality that, you know, yes, it's one thing and it's beautiful to be forgiven mm-hmm. by the Lord, but just because you're forgiven by the Lord doesn't mean that you have to then go through a, 
you don't have to go through a further redemptive process with the oh, Lord, yeah, you know, totally. and it would be uh, irresponsible for me and dishonest for me if I said, you know, when I started walking with the Lord and finally gave my life to him uh, and he just forgave me and mm. I felt no repercussions of that previous behavior ever right. again. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, to open yourself up to this kind of, uh, to expose yourself to this kind of, of sin or to take romance out of the context that God has designed for it, it, yeah. it hurts. It hurts you, you know, yeah. of, of all of this, the sins in the Bible, uh, you know, Paul said to the Corinthian church, everything else, it's outside the body, but there is one that, that it's it's within the body. Yeah. It, it like mm-hmm. does something to the soul and the conscience that is just different. It's not yeah. irreparable. It's not unredeemable, but it is harmful. That's why sexual abuse is so evil mm-hmm. because, you know, if you've been around for any length of time, you've at the very least interacted with someone's story yes. where you've heard yeah. and as you've watched, you've just, just said, I, I, I am so sad yeah. that this has so negatively impacted you and that you have these feelings about mm-hmm. yourself that you should never have about yourself. Right. And it's almost like your brain is just hmm. twisted in, in just thinking, how could that happen to somebody? And how yeah. could that, it just, it just is, it's just stuck, you yeah. know, in the soul. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why sexual abuse is so such an evil thing because so the true. person engaging with it is damaging themselves, but the damage that you're uh, bringing into someone else's life is just it's just really bad, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think just in so many ways, you know, maybe I was just thinking about like teenagers in our church or young mm-hmm. adults in our church right. that are. You know, kind of just thinking like, well, you know, the culture just really values, you know, beauty and finding someone you're attracted to and having a one night stand or getting to a point in your relationship where you're wondering if you're sexually compatible and maybe you should live together. Maybe you should just enjoy each other physically from time to time. Or I'm thinking about people in our church who are uh, maybe even older and single who have previously been married. So they've been sexually active. Mm -hmm. That's been a regular part of their life. So they've had that fulfillment on a regular basis and now they're single and they don't have that outlet. So they're thinking that of course God would want me to have that outlet. So I'm just going to try to find it in some way, you know, whether it's through pornography or engaging with someone else. And so there's just all these areas where I just want to say, don't wake it up, you know, don't wake it up in that Mm. context. Don't wake it up until it pleases until, you know, the God designed atmosphere for sexual love is given to you. Mm. And of course, as I, you know, say over and over again and teach over and over again, the God designed atmosphere for sexual love is in a covenantal marriage between a man and a woman. So these people have they are safe with each other. There is something that can grow together. There's a fire that can blossom and um, mm. you know, burn brighter together because there is safety together. There's no yeah. sense that as I give myself to you, you are going to give yourself to someone else. But there's a sense that mm. we are giving ourselves to each other and it, this is something that's going to, you know, almost cyclically, it's mm. going to grow. Mm. And, 
you know, continue to get stronger and stronger as the years go by rather than in the back of my mind, there's this worry that this is not going to last or in the back of my mind, I realize that this won't last. And really yeah. all this is about is my personal gratification. We call it love, mm. making love, but so often it's not making love, it's just making lust. It's perpetuating mm. a self-desire wow. that is actually harmful to you as a human being because mm. you become so self-involved and self-centered. Yeah. But in romantic, biblical, sexual love, there's uh, a selflessness. There's a yeah. gospel uh, Christ likeness even in it, you know, where yeah. you're you're thinking about serving and giving and releasing yourself rather than just your own self pleasure. Yeah, that is so good, man. There's a lot to obviously unpack from what you just said, but um, I would love just to ask you just a couple of questions yeah. about even just some of the things that you were just saying. That was so good. I know maybe um, you listener can relate to this, but I know there's there's some of us who have grown up in the church and have heard this message of that if you have sex before you're married, that's wrong. If you, you know, explore yourself sexually before you're married, that's wrong. And I feel like with me, like just like those words that we have me inadvertently attached a sense of fear to sex or to love, to sexuality. But it seems like even like hearing you talk about it, it's, it's not that sex is to be approached with fear, but um, maybe just in a way that honors God. Can you kind of talk to us about that a little bit? Because there are some people, and myself included, when I got married, I was like, whoa, this is so different than anything I'm used to because I've just been trying to abstain from so much like mm-hmm, sexual mm-hmm. activity. Now I'm in a marriage where I can express myself and learn about a woman, and it's just like totally different. You know, yeah. It's almost like I had to have like a brain shift, kind of. Mm-hmm. Do you have any insight on that, or how we as Christians should approach sex before yeah. we're married and like afterwards? Yeah, it used to drive me crazy when I would take uh, youth groups to purity conferences, where we would make the commitment and sign the card that we will be pure till mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah. And I always hated that verbiage because it sounded to mm-hmm. me like, and then when I get married. That's when <laughs> impurity is going to flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it kind of does, I think, perpetuate that that old Christian, you know, myth or mm. that old Christian awkwardness about talking yeah. about sexual issues and feeling a sense of dirtiness about, right. you know, being involved sexually with even your own spouse, you know, yeah. which just should not be. And the Song of Solomon, that's what it's really all about. You know, it's like... We've talked about it before in this uh, podcast about how there's no book of first or second parentonians. You know, there's no book that is specifically just all about finances, you know, all these different subjects that we need help with in life. But there is a book that's all about sex. That's really what the Song of Solomon is about. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's about romantic love. And Mm -hmm. it's a way, I think, for God to demonstrate to humanity I created this, I love this, I'm not grossed out by it, mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. Because in a sense, I think what, what God's very into is he's very into love. Yeah. And so when you see two human beings who are saying, I'm not going anywhere, mm-hmm. and I am committed to you, and you're committed to me, and we've made that covenant with each mm-hmm. other, that 
through sickness and health, uh, for better or for worse, till death do us part, when that kind of commitment is made and a person then says, so now I'm going to share all my possessions with you. I'm going to share all of my life with you. I'm going to share all of my dreams with you. I'm going to share all of my wealth with you. I'm going to share everything about Mm -hmm. myself with you, including my body. And you are going to do the same for me. That's love, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the giving of the self. And God, you know, loves that. God delights in that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the way that you're asking it, there's probably just for a lot of people some, you know, some reprogramming, I guess, is Mm. what we might call it, or uh, some sanctifying of our minds, you know, Mm. Paul called it in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the transforming of our minds, you know. Mm. There's a reason why he said there, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the Mm. renewing of your mind. And Mm -hmm. like we were talking about, you know, before we got started, there is an element of worldliness that is not saying just go have all the sex you want to have. There is an element of worldliness that says sex is gross, terrifying, Mm. don't talk about it, don't ever do it, you know. There is that element here on earth, you know, in in a pretty oppressive, you know, kind of forms. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of times, the way that it's oppressive is that it says that to the women of the culture. Right. And then it says to the men of the culture, you know, hey, just do whatever you want. Yeah. You can even... You know, there's some cultures which would not even frown upon things like rape. Right. right. And so, you know, that's horrible, obviously. So Mm -hmm. here we have this book that's teaching us uh, there are areas where it is unhealthy. It's not going to lead to your best or to the person that you're engaging Mm -hmm. with best. but here are areas that it is intended for and that it is beautiful and yeah. healthy and wonderful and to be celebrated and to in, mm-hmm. to be enjoyed. And when you really think about it, just, you know, in that kind of ter- in those kind of terms, it's really cool because what you start realizing is this is a great gift that God has given to married couples. Right. And it's uh, it is not a respecter of uh class or Hmm. income level or education level or amount of possessions or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that for every married couple is free (laughs) and readily available and can be enjoyable for that couple. I should say just as a caveat, you know, the reality is that uh, there may be seasons in a married couple's Mm -hmm. life. Or there might even be because of past experiences or some kind of hurt mm. that came into life mm-hmm. or even some kind of physical limitation, a reason why a particular married couple would not enjoy right. their physical sexual mm-hmm. relationship. And, of course, there are uh, steps that a couple can take to try to address any issues that might mm-hmm. be there or history that has been hurtful or painful. Uh, and that they need to either get counseling through or just kind of revisit and right. slowly deal with. But the reality is, if it's never an enjoyable thing, what we all must realize is that it is a total myth that this is the thing that's going to fulfill your life. Straight up. It is a total myth. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, the, the, the thing that fulfills our lives is God himself. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about that, I think, from the Second Corinthians 6 passage before, yeah. but how, you know, the, the idea that, the, that food is made for the stomach, and the, some in the Corinthian church were saying, so the body is made for sex. Now, the food is only, mm-hmm. the, the stomach is only full when it's filled with food. The body is only full or happy when it gets to have sex. And Paul corrected that line of thinking. He said, no, yes, food is for the stomach, but your body is not fulfilled with sex. Your body is fulfilled by the Lord. Your body is for the Lord. So there's a measure of fulfillment that all of us can have in Christ, Mm. whether we're uh, in a happily married and happily enjoying a sexual experience with our spouse or not. It's not the ultimate, it's a component um, to a marriage, you yep. talked about it's the, not it's not gross and yep. it's not God. You know, right. it's, it's yeah. neither of those things. That's good. Yeah, have some healthy perspective on it. Um, you mentioned too, just even talking about sex in the article, you wrote that sex is like for a marriage, it's like a glue kind of thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that sex is like a glue. Can you kind of talk to us about like the implications of that if you have sex outside of marriage and inside of marriage a little bit, just like that component yeah yeah it's almost a scary kind of thought when you really think about it because Mm -hmm. you know uh in genesis the first sexual activity Mm. you know between adam and eve uh, god declared that the two become one flesh right and that phrase is used all throughout the bible repeated many times Mm -hmm. in the new testament and in one place that it is mentioned in the new testament it's talking about extramarital fornication kind of relationships and that you know and and then the quote is given and the two become one Mm. flesh and what it's not saying is and the two are now married right you know like if you had two married people that committed adultery with each other now all of a sudden they're married together no that is nonsensical that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous that's not what it's saying it's a passage that's talking all about outside of marriage sexual activity Mm -hmm. and what what is being communicated is that, yeah, there's something that's that's harmful that's mm. occurring. That doesn't mean that the rest of your life you're gonna, you know, uh, feel this like connection with that past person and you know feel like man we're one flesh together. It's just that you've you've given away mm. a little piece of yourself, you know, to that person. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, so on the flip side, mm. you know. The, the fear of that, the flip side of that is great thanks for that because with a, with a married couple, if they are exclusive with each other yeah. and just growing in their enjoyment with each other and, you know, part of enjoying growing in your enjoyment with each other is talking about it right. and discussing it, you know, and yeah. which can be really awkward. And, you know, not, I don't think a lot of men really want to like, Hey, let's, let's talk about that. Get some you know, coffee and what talk did about you it. like? What did you not like? But you know, that's important. So yeah, it's just a part of your married life mm-hmm. together. And so if you're able to do that, you know, more and more as the years go by and, you know, it becomes a lighter thing that isn't yeah. as like, unapproachable and so serious that you can't even talk about it Mm. but the more that you're able to grow in it together what you have is like this beautiful secret weapon that god has given where the two of you there's like 
this emotional, psychological, physical, invisible, spiritual glue that mm. is happening yeah. to you as a couple when you engage each other. And, you know, we will sometimes laugh about it, but I think it's very true that sometimes uh, uh, one of the greatest weapons a married couple can have in times of strife or difficulty mm-hmm. or bitterness towards each other yeah. or just going through big trials in life is to just enjoy each other physically. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, there's this, there's this thing that happens when all those endorphins are released and you know, you're just really enjoying each other. There's this thing that happens where you kind of realize like, oh man, why have I been so serious about this other thing? Or why, why did I have that perspective? Wow. That wasn't right for me to have. And it kind of, kind of just resorts things in the right way. We are yeah. one flesh, and you're kind of remembering that in wow. that moment. Yeah. yeah. You also mentioned, Nate, in the article about cohabitation. I thought we could talk about this for a second because I feel like I'm seeing this more and more in the church. Obviously, I'm seeing this a lot outside of the church as well, but there's just this notion, you know, two individuals get together, they're starting to know each other, they're starting to date, they're considering like what it would be like to do life together mm-hmm. and they're like well maybe we should move in together and just figure it out like well how do you like do your morning routine how do you do your night routine what do you do with your free time and if that all lines up with mine then we should consider getting married or something what do you think about cohabitation and what is does scripture speak to that is that a part of like the oneness that we're talking about with marriage how, how would you address that Cohabitation is absolute folly, and mm. cohabitation is becoming more and more a scourge that is mm. slowing down the kingdom of God mm. because it's becoming so the norm in yeah, so many people's really minds. Right. And I do not have a, a, I mean, I don't think that it's the best thing for our culture at large. Hmm. But I don't freak out when the culture at large acts like the world. You right, know, right. I'm, I'm not trying to convert people to my version of, of morality. Yes. But when the church is conformed to the world mm-hmm. and the people that are in the church just begin to embrace a worldview that has nothing to do with scripture and has everything to do with just the culture that they're living in, mm. that's when it's frustrating to me because it really does hurt the church. Yeah. It slows mm-hmm. us down from our mission. And this is one of those big areas right. that we get slowed down in our mission because, mm-hmm. you know, people have, uh, you know, so many people have adopted that view that it somehow is a healthy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you really don't even need to, uh, I mean, you can and should go to the Bible to get a good worldview about this. Yeah. But you it's kind of one of those areas where you don't even really need to mm. because sociologists and psychologists have done so much work to demonstrate that your odds decrease of mm. su- of succeeding as a couple and that your uh sense of fulfillment in that relationship decrease uh, as a couple and that your marriage uh, if you end up getting married to that person that you cohabitated mm-hmm. with, the the odds of you making it are much less than a person who has yeah. made the decision to wait, to investigate. Mm. Because 
what ends you think that you're getting to know each other better, but you're actually getting to know each other worse. Uh-huh. I cannot imagine what it would, would have been like mm. for Christina and I in our dating stage to say, okay, so we're, we're thinking maybe someday we might get married. Let's live together and try to learn yeah. and see what we're like together. That is such an unsafe environment mm. because, you know, every move that you make, every weird noise that comes out of your body, you know, as you're just kind of hanging out doing your thing, the there's this feeling like, you know, is this is this all piling up? Mm. Is she frustrated with me? Right. Is she, right. you know, is is am I unattractive to her? Am mm. I losing my interest? Mm. You know, it, is is she kind of like seeing the real me, and and is she is she not into that? And that is bound to create a hypocrisy in the way that you're living in your own home. Yeah, you are totally mm. going to fake something, right? And so that lack of safety actually keeps you from being yourself. And then, wow. you know, obviously you're entering into it in the first place with the idea that, well, I don't need to be committed to get into this. Yeah. And so I don't, the second that I'm, that I want out, there's nothing keeping me here. You yeah. know, it's not a big deal. And you I mean, you're, you're doing pastoral work and ministry, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure you've, even in your early years of, of doing that kind of ministry, have probably already talked to young married couples mm-hmm. who are going through really tough times. Yeah, and yeah. one of them is saying like, man, I feel like leaving. I want to yeah. leave. This is really hard. But they, at the end of the day, you don't even have to say it for them. They say, but I'm going to stick it out. Right. We got married. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep pushing. You know, there's not as easy of a sense of I'm just gonna pack up my duffel bag, grab my toothbrush, yeah, and go home, you know. Yeah. So and then people, you know, will slip into it for all kinds of just really dumb reasons, you know, like, well, it's you know, like in our area, it's really expensive to live here. So right. it just makes more sense, you know, for us to cohabitate because we can, you know, split the rent. You know, if the if the spirit of Christ who did hard things has not even gotten into your heart to that mm. degree where you can do the slightly difficult thing of just making it on your own or find, finding yeah. some roommates, I don't know that you're the mm. kind of person that's ready to even be married. Right, right. Um, so, you know, that's just not a good reason. And honestly, I've seen a lot of women who have slipped into that kind of logic who yeah. are basically setting themselves up for years of pain because they're allowing themselves mm. to be the breadwinner uh, for a man who can't make it wow. on his own and saying like, well, he can come live with me. He can't really afford, you know, this area can't mm. afford to be on his own. He's still figuring things out and it ends up setting a precedent that is unhealthy in the future years. Yeah. And it sounds like something you're addressing too, is this like internal thing that we as humans carry around with us so often of selfishness, just hoping that somebody can satisfy me if they don't, then I can leave and find something else. Which totally, it's a, it's just I mean, it's glorified dating right. is really what it is. You know, right. the whole dating kind of thing mm-hmm. is that you know you're looking around. Who am I attracted to? Who am I drawn to? Yeah, you know, and it can it can create an unhealthy self, self, mm-hmm. self. You know, kind of thing. Totally. One of those things that I feel like I mean, you wrote about it in your article, like briefly, but you addressed pornography. But you mentioned how that is like a way of awakening 
sexual desire, awakening love, awakening passion or lust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a certain kind of way, which is really interesting, I think, because we live in a time right now where pornography is just so, is in, it's actually incredible how accessible it is. You know, it's just in your phone. It takes you seconds to find pornography and, yeah. and nobody can even know about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I know there, there can be a tendency to think, you know, it's just so easy. Everybody does it. Um, it's just for me. It's not. I'm not hurting anybody else. But can you talk to us about that for a minute? Is how is that harmful for us? Is that harmful harmful for the people around us for a future loved one? Because I know sometimes too. I've heard people say, you know, this is, this is going to help me understand how to engage in sex with somebody in the future. It's going to be like a help for me. Something I want to oh learn about. Wow. And that's a pretty loaded question. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So. Is it going to help you? It's not going to help you with anything. That's a fantasy world that yeah. is non-existent. It is, you know, the, the the pornography that you're looking at is either going to be, if you're a man, totally geared to a man, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, everything that he might fantasize about right. sexually, or if you're a woman, to the things that a woman might mm-hmm. fantasize about sexually. And the beautiful thing about biblical married sexual romantic love is that you have to actually think about the other person. Yes. You have to actually right. say, oh, so true. I'm a man and you're my wife, you're a woman, what would be pleasing to you? And she has to say, I'm a woman, you're a man, what would be pleasing to you? I don't right. know, I don't get you. Mm. What you're seeing in pornography is just total fantasy yeah. world that actually hurts future performance and future understanding of what the sexual relationship is all about. Mm -hmm. As far as who it's hurting, well, I mean, it's hurting you for some of the reasons I just mentioned. It's drawing you into sin. So you're taken out of the sphere of God's grace, of God's Mm -hmm. mercy, of God's blessing. You know, if if God if you're envisioning the grace of God pouring out of like a shower head, you are removing yourself from the place where his grace is perpetually Mm -hmm. flowing. So you are Mm -hmm. taking yourself into a sin realm. But you're not the only victim. You know, the person that you're viewing is a real person. That yeah. person, to some degree, is a victim of yours. The The person that you're eventually going to marry or the person you are married to, uh, if, if you want to be married in the future or you are married now, that person is someone who's being hurt through your yeah. activity because you are... Uh, you are setting yourself and them up for yourself, disappointment, and them insecurity. Mm. You're also engaging wow. in something that isn't restorative, but is addictive. In other words, uh, with marital sexual love, uh, there's this beautiful thing that grows and can grow, and your fulfillment mm. can get stronger and stronger. And uh, you know, I, I know within Christianity because. You know, it is kind of a built-up day for for a a young couple that's getting ready to get married. If they've waited for that day, they've Mm -hmm. stayed, you know, abstinent, you know, all that. If they've done that, that's a day that there's definitely some build-up. You're excited, (laughs) but what you have on that first day, as far as quality is concerned, is nothing compared to what you could have in ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, thirty years down the line as you grow in your sexual relationship together. Yeah. But what you have with pornography is something that is addictive and debasing. You're gonna have to find mm. stuff that's more and more thrilling, yeah. more and more engaging. And sometimes we scoff and 
throw up our hands and we're perplexed when we hear about somebody that's involved in some level level of pornography that we deem disgusting mm. and you know repulsive. Yeah. But it's they didn't start there. They did not start there. Yeah. They started with the stuff that everybody else starts with and it yeah. just this addictive snowball effect, you know, went down in their lives. Yeah. And then it is damaging to the culture because yeah. you're you're partaking in a system that is creating this hyper sexualized objectifying yes. uh, uh worldview of other human beings mm -hmm. where we are reduced to the sum of our body parts right. and not you know who we are created in the image of God uh, you're you're hurting your children a future generation you're hurting your church the yeah. body of Christ the mm -hmm. mission of God so to think that it's a isolated um, sin would be would be folly and I think that yeah. you know when we're given a moment of honesty or we give the Lord a moment of honesty I think we realize that that's you know that's a myth that that's not the case that it really it really does hurt it really does damage people you know and right. I think it's a great yeah. way that you ask that question because I think so often what we think about almost immediately is how can I build walls and systems to keep right. myself, you know, from going there. And those are good, good questions to mm -hmm. ask. And I think people should ask those questions, but I think it's hard for a person to really embrace those walls. If they don't see this is like, this is death, right? Imagine right. the grim reaper with his sickle chasing you down. Yeah. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being a kid and I grew up in the, the era of the, uh, the this is your brain on drugs oh, commercial. Yes. You ever see that? Oh man, it was so scary. You know, it's like they that had an scary. egg and they yeah. had an egg with a frying pan and they said, This is your brain and held up the egg and then they cracked the egg, poured it out on the frying pan and it's all sizzling and just <laughs> crackling. And they said, And this is your brain on drugs. Oh, and I remember as a little guy like seeing that, you oh, know, man. watching my cartoons on Saturday morning and it was like I'm terrified of drugs. Just instant anxiety. I am yeah. terrified. <laughs> I do not know what they're going to do to me, but if that's my brain on drugs, I do not want to be a part yeah. of them. And, uh, you know, to have a little bit of terror hmm. about pornography, yeah. I think would be good for us because it, it is very damaging. Yeah. It's not irredeemable. It's not something that we can't. I mean, pornography is irredeemable, yeah, but right. uh, if we've engaged in it or become addicted to it or dominated by it, it's not something that the Lord cannot redeem us from. He can. Yes. It's Amen. not something where he sets us aside and says, you're never going to be useful to me. I can never use your life. That is not true. But it is something that hurts, mm -hmm. that takes a, a, a lot of times a long time to get free of. Mm -hmm. I'll just be honest. I've seen a lot more people become miraculously delivered from drugs or alcohol than I've mm. seen miraculously delivered from pornography. With pornography, yeah. it just seems to be more of a long-term mm. wrestling match that a human being has to engage in. Yeah, so true. And just to kind of wrap this up, Nate, do you have some encouragement for somebody who maybe has, I mean, to some degree, I feel like just because of culture, because of media, in some kind of way, we've all been whether we like it or not, at a younger age, been awakened to sexual yeah. desire, or maybe we're a little bit older, but we haven't been married, but we have been awakened to yeah. these desires and everything. But we want to get them in control. We want to honor them, honor God with our bodies and our minds and everything. Yeah. What are some ways that people can do that? Yeah. 
So my encouragement to you is that the good news is that Christ came yeah. for, for you. Mm. Christ came for us. You know, his vision of what he was going to build, the new humanity that he was going to create, was not filled exclusively with people who had grown up with a Judeo-Christian worldview yeah. and had kind of lived a somewhat biblically moral sexual life and then, you know, got married and just kind of continued on in that biblically moral sexual life. You know, the the church just immediately began to go into all the city centers of the world where people were not behaving and right. living a sexual life, anything like the Bible described. Mm. And these people were getting saved, giving their lives to Christ, becoming believers, becoming pastors and deacons and elders and prophets right. and missionaries mm -hmm. in the church. Families were being redeemed. So he's come just for people just like us who yeah, have been God. <laughs> saturated by this world and culture. And if you're listening to this and you have had the blessing, the privilege of being able to grow up in a local church and you've heard these kind of things from early on in your life, make sure that you chill for a second and mm. you do not allow yourself to become a hypercritical, judgmental person right. of people who have not had that opportunity, yeah. who are mm. trying to figure things out right now. And as they're being confronted with the Lord, they're being confronted with a whole new way of yeah. life. Have a little right. bit of grace for that and yeah. be willing to go through the process of teaching that into people's lives. Paul wrote these letters, like in 1 Thessalonians 4, he talked to this brand new church that he really loved, that he thought was doing great. And he's like, hey guys, you know, one of the things that God's trying to do in your life is to help you be sanctified, to right. abstain from sexual immorality. And here's why. And he taught it to them. He yeah. didn't just say, I can't believe that there's some of you in that church that are still mm -hmm. dealing with that a month after being a Christian. You know, yeah. he gave them the teaching and tried to help them climb out of that life and, and world. So we have to prepare ourselves better, I think, as believers for a slower work in somebody's life. Because when you've been that entrenched in that world system, the Lord could be working in your life, pulling you out, but it might take a little while. Obviously, we hate it when somebody just says obstinately, I'm going to have nothing to do with obe obeying the Lord. You know, yeah. that's frustrating. And, mm -hmm. and I understand that. But uh, yeah, beyond that, the body of Christ is the greatest help, I think, to being able to overcome. Because what God mm. gives to us is he gives us his spirit, who obviously his spirit and his word are the greatest of helps. Yeah. But his spirit, his word, and his people all mm. combined together help us to be able to overcome. So whether that is feasting on his word regularly so that you're filling your mind with good things in preparation for the battle that's coming, whether it's praying in advance of a temptation, before a temptation, because you know that you need to be strengthened for the temptation that's coming, or whether that's bringing a sin or a temptation into the light with fellow believers mm -hmm. and establishing some checks balances accountability in your life that would help protect you or at least give you a way of getting caught more easily yeah. so that it can be dealt with right. rather swiftly those are all great gifts that god has given to us and i think that it looks different in every culture and time and new technology you know that comes out but like yeah. that phone that you talked about there is a way to yeah. lock that sucker down right. so that right. it is just, hey, I know where I go is going to be seen mm. by all the people that That's I good. have invited to see where I go and what I do. And to be able to do that kind of thing is, is huge. 
Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. If you're looking for some more content from Pastor Nate, please head over to nateholdridge.com. You can find a ton of podcasts there, articles that Nate is working on, and teachings that he gives at his home church, Calvary Monterey, and online. Also, while you're online, please consider going to the iTunes store or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast, and please leave a rating and review. That would help us out a ton. But until next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon.